Welcome to the Pacific Education Pulse podcast, the show that brings you inspiring and cutting edge information through interviews with movers and shakers who are positively impacting the field of education in Hawaii and beyond. Each episode highlights the work of local and national experts who dedicate their lives to improving teaching and learning so that children and youth reach their full potential. Learn more and subscribe today at PacificEducationPulse.com. Here's your host, Dr. Hugh Dunn. Aloha, I'm Hugh Dunn. Welcome to the Pacific Education Pulse podcast, also known as Pep Talk, the show that keeps your finger on the pulse of education. You can find all Pep Talk episodes on your favorite podcast directories or go to our website at PacificEducationPulse.com. This program is brought to you by the Pacific Literacy Consortium, a program within the Curriculum Research and Development Group. This pep talk episode features Todd Johnson, also known as Estria, the co-founder and executive director of the Estria Foundation. Estria is a world-renowned urban art living legend. Across three decades of style writing, or what media has referred to as graffiti art, Estria has collaborated with nonprofits and high-profile corporations to lead a movement that centers around creating art in public spaces as a means to raise awareness of human and environmental issues. Originally from Honolulu, where he started as a graffiti artist in 1984, Estria eventually moved to California to attend college at the University of San Francisco and the Academy of Art in San Francisco. Estria was active in the San Francisco Bay Area during the golden age of graffiti and remained there to spearhead numerous initiatives combining his artistic and entrepreneurial talents to develop art programs targeting at-risk youth. Within the last 10 years, Estria has invested much of his efforts on working with schools throughout the state of Hawaii. In 2016, filmmaker Tadashi Nakamura directed and edited a full-length award-winning documentary titled Mele Murals, which featured Estria and a team of artists who engaged Native Hawaiian youth in a transformational experience that combined public art and indigenous traditions. Estria continues to engage students, teachers, and school leaders in the transformative power of visual storytelling, as evidenced by the increasing number of outdoor Mele Mural artwork adorning school walls and capturing student voices in a unique and powerful way. Welcome to the show, Estria. Can you share with us your journey of how you became an artist, particularly an internationally recognized muralist? I don't know how that happened. I don't think I had a choice. <laughs> okay. I, I blame uh, algebra at high school because I didn't understand it and my textbook became my sketchbook. Oh man, you're not alone. I struggled through that. Yeah. But you said your textbook became your outlet. You started what sketching, yeah, doodling. Yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't get the formula, so I just started drawing in that book. And and then one day a classmate walked by and he goes, "Oh, you're a graffiti artist." And I go, "Yeah." And he walked by, and then I sat there going, "Why did I say yeah? I don't even know what a graffiti artist is." Was <laughs> oh, that right? So up until yeah. that point, you never drew on walls, never painted on walls. Hadn't painted on walls. We just tried to draw stuff that my b-boy friends would we would see on stuff they would find, you know. Oh, you were a break dancer. No, not me. I, I couldn't do that stuff. But my, my buddies that I ran with, they were into it. And so we would they would look up anything they could find about break dancing. And then usually when we found stuff, there's like, you know, they got a jacket with all this graffiti painted on it or, you know, subway trains. And we just looked at it like, what is, what is this? We didn't know the culture and the history behind it. But it was exciting. Yeah. So break dancing and art. Drawing on walls, that kind of went hand in hand? 
Yeah, as we looked into it, it's a youth-led art form, right, from the inner city. It was about making something out of nothing, so we resonated with those things. The aesthetics were all about youth and counterculture. Um, I see. So yeah. did you start in high school when you're running around with the, the breakdancers and you're kind of delving into this medium? Did you start to look at art being done in other states? How did it all begin? And when did you first put pen to wall or paintbrush to wall, so to speak? Yeah, the first time we painted, it was just after school. My buddies and I, we would hang out at the YMCA. So we just hopped the fence and we had a little airbrush kit to paint model kits, you know, little glass jars, a little can of compressed air. And we tried to do the word fresh on the side of a raw concrete canal. And people just stopping as they walk over the bridge stopping watching us they're not thinking it's illegal we're not thinking it's illegal and just painting we ran out of air in the r so <laughs> we did <laughs> we did fur and that got us excited to want to get paint and so from there we started to get paint and start to paint more seriously and i fell in love with it was there other medium that you use well yeah we, we, went to the, we went to the spray cans you know because it's okay. fast it's exciting um we didn't know anything about carrying gallons and gallons of house paint around it. Right. You know, on your bicycle or whatever. Yeah. So this was like a creative outlet for you and your friends. Yeah, but we didn't really realize what it was at that time. Uh, I see. They they didn't stay with it, but I, I did because I, I love the creative part. Um, I love the challenge of trying to create images with something that wasn't intended for art. Throughout Eshia's journey as an artist, his style evolved, but his intentions remained consistent. He continues to engage communities in art as a means to connect, learn, share, and transform. In his teenage years, Eshia's style was inspired by hip-hop culture, fashion, design, and comic books. His formal art education further sharpened his skills and expanded his repertoire. What really impacted your work or shaped the way you do things as an artist? So I really don't think that across lifetimes, my art has changed all that much in concept or intention. In, in this go around, it was all about stuff that excited me. So it was anything, you know, taking inspiration from fashion, fashion design, um, manga was big, anime, comic books. When I was a kid, there was a swap meet, so you could get like a comic book for a nickel. Sometimes I could get like six or eight comic books for a quarter. <laughs> and right. that turned me on to Jack Kirby, who to me is still like the all-time best because he was the one that inspired me with crazy ideas and crazy just dynamic style. They still kind of use his style of coloring and, and, graf and graffiti world. We can see some of his style in your work even yeah. today. Yeah. Tell us a little more about that. I think... Kirby's style was very dynamic, like exaggerated. You know, like if, if a hero was jumping out at you, the arm that was closer to you was bigger. You know, his feet that were farther behind were smaller. So he would exaggerate and help create that feeling of movement. And then the way he colored stuff, he was very much about like magical things and things you couldn't explain. Like he researched extensively stuff about Peruvians and Egyptians and um, Aztecs and Mayans and stuff. And he weaved all that into like interstellar travel. For kids, looking at comic books, at least when I was looking at comic books, it was 
exciting. It was dynamic. You know, comics weren't that old yet, maybe 40 years of history or something. So it was still about going to other places, you know, traveling the galaxies and going to other worlds and getting knowledge and coming back, sharing what you have. And, you know, that, that definitely carried through like in, we call graffiti style writing. Graffiti is like a bad word that the press gave it. But in style writing, back then, there wasn't the internet, there wasn't magazines. So if you wanted to expose yourself to styles from other places, you had to just go there and go meet people and then, you know, try to become friends so that you could mail each other copies of photo prints. On this island, the crews were sort of like by areas, like Pearl City was was the hot spot. Um, I see. I was in Kamaki, so from like Hawaii Kai to town was a group called uh, MIA, Masters in Art. And to, to me, MIA and um, Bomb Squad from Pro City was like the, the two hot crews, but their styles were very different. It, it was regional. And so just like with the rest of the United States, the styles were different in city to city and even neighborhood to neighborhood because people just painted with their friends and got influenced by their friends. Nowadays, it's different because you can just turn on the internet and access all these images on Instagram, That's right. whatever. So it's eliminated the, the uniqueness of regional styles. With one click of the button. Yeah. yeah. Back then, you had to do all that legwork and then those photos were like gold. So you, you wouldn't share them with people outside of your crew because <laughs> they gave you a leg up, you know? I understand that you pursued art formally at the Academy of Art College in San Francisco. Did that change your style or did it enhance it in any way? Yeah, I was reluctant as a student to admit that school was having a positive impact on my artwork, but it did because it really made you focus on the, the basics, the foundations of, of visual arts, you know, how to draw a figure, anatomy, Anatomy 2, Anatomy 3, right? Just just drawing heads and hands um, over and over and working on illustration as a visual medium on how you communicate, working on your techniques of how do you paint stuff. You know, one day I went into a review with the head of the illustration department. She looks at all my stuff and she goes, in your homework and in your classwork, I don't see things like core shadows and secondary lighting. But then in your graffiti pieces, you've got all this stuff that we're trying to teach you. And she goes, so I know that you're not going to go down this mainstream illustration path. So she pulled me out of that and gave me a custom, like, you just take this one teacher, Baron Story, who's this creative, crazy genius guy. You just get to take him for the rest of your stay here and I'll graduate you that because you're not going into illustration. You're going somewhere else. <laughs> and so, yeah, so he totally inspired me in, on like crazy thinking, being a bold artist, um, a master of techniques that they didn't teach you in any other class. And so for me, it was like for every technique he's going to teach me, I'm going to come up with a technique too, you know, that forced me. I play little games with myself like that to force my creativity to expand on my uh, repertoire of what I could do. Locally and across the seas, Estria's community-driven art gives new life to walls of executive suites, corporate buildings, and school campuses. A large part of his current work is done under Mele Murals, which promotes youth development, arts education, cultural preservation, and community building through the creation of large-scale outdoor murals. 
Once reputed as defacement and vandalism, Estria's work has helped to transform public perception of graffiti as a powerful form of art and communication. Melly Miros offers Estria a platform to work with local artists and community members who collectively teach youth to become storytellers, painters, and community leaders. The Pacific Literacy Consortium has partnered with the Estria Foundation to create educational videos that highlight selected murals and elaborates on the cultural and historical significance of the murals imagery and themes through interviews with students, teachers, kupuna, and cultural specialists. Here's clips of some of the interviews. And we're here because of this, this mural we've been working on the past couple weeks with Mele Murals, uh, Estria Miyashiro. And his vision is always connecting the mural and the stories of the, the area that he's using, doing the work in. I've lived in a lot of places and I haven't been able to stick around very long. I've lived here for four and a half years. It's the longest I've ever lived anywhere and already I have a connection with this place because of that. The mural is so beautiful and I was able to be a part of that. All of us who helped are kind of, we are the mural. We helped and we provided ideas. It definitely made me feel more connected to Hawaii and especially this place. We took a summer Mele Miro's um, professional development and we kind of decided if we're going to do this together as a team, we want to bring culture into our own classrooms. We had decided that what, uh, above and beyond the academics, we really wanted to instill a sense of self-identity for our students and help them ground themselves, remember who their ancestors are so that they can set a path for who they want to be. So my contribution, so I told the Mo'olelo of Maui and the Sun. Along with the mural, we had to compose a mele and our mele is called Nanakulea. With the mele Nanakulea, it makes our mural a true mele mural. We composed the, um, the mele based off of the mural, so like its symbolism and what the message we wanted to spread about it. In the first interview clip, musician and songwriter Kavika Kayapo touched upon Estria's vision for connecting community, culture, and language through art. I asked Estria to share more about his vision. Well, uh, to give a little background for the listeners, uh, it started out by a program called Mele Murals, which is where we would partner with schools and youth groups around the islands and would paint these murals. So we would teach them how to meditate. We would take, take them to sacred or significant sites in their areas with kupuna so that the kupuna could teach them why those places are important and, you know, what's significant. And then we would have them meditate in those places. We'd have them meditate in their classroom or at their school, different spots, so they could feel the difference of the mana in different places. And they would start to get ideas through the meditation because we would ask the land what it wants in the mural. That's what made each mural specific to its location. And so we did one of those at Kamaki High School, and that led to us being based on the school and then teaching classes there and realizing we we're teaching high school kids second, third grade art standards because they hadn't had art. For some of them, their entire lives, they hadn't learned any art. So um, we started making inroads to teach in elementary and middle schools in the area. So from there, we've been building out curriculum and I think what's powerful about going this path is that just trusting in what you're doing with, with the art. So it's not just only about art. It's not, you know, and along this journey, I should add that I've had to work on myself a lot in order to be better for the students. So give up drinking, become more spiritual, meditate more often, you know, change what I eat. 
because all those things affect your ability to meditate and it affects the children's ability to meditate in your presence. And so all of that is huge, hugely transformational. But if I was just still on the ego, like it's about me and I want to get fame off of this, then a uh, different agenda, right? And I don't think doors would have opened up for me with that kind of a path. Yeah, and I saw the documentary about your work, Mele Muros. It was uh, real fascinating. In fact, that was one of the things that connected me to your work. And in addition to seeing the mural at Kaimuki, and things kind of evolved from there. But um, in the documentary, I remember being impressed with how you evolved, not only as an artist, but as a person, and how at this juncture in your life, you're now giving back. So all the things that you learned as an artist, your experiences here in Hawaii and in high school as an artist, and then your formal training at the University of San Francisco Academy of Art, you're now giving back to the students. And it's amazing to see the process that you take them through, this meditation or mindfulness approach, and how you connect them to their culture, to the language, and the output, the results are just amazing. Now, how Thank many you. murals have you done in, in just schools itself? I know you're probably in the hundreds or thousands probably across the nation, but just on, on school campuses. Oh, I don't know. Um, I got to go look that up. I think we've done 50, 54, 55 melee murals. Um, but then if you count in the murals from the classes and stuff like that, it's probably about 80 or 100 murals. Wow, because you also have murals in the walls of the classrooms as well. Yeah, so those classes have to create murals too. It's all, all the classes are, have a focus towards creating murals. Let's talk about some of the murals. We know that there's several now on the campus of Kaimaki High School. And recently, the uh, Iolani, if you drive past that school, it's so obvious. Beautiful mural. Tell us a little bit about the mural itself. If we were to go on campus on Kaimaki, let's start with Kaimaki, what would we see and kind of give us the gist of that, the story, the mo'olelo behind that mural. Well, Kamaki is exciting because there's maybe 16 walls that we've painted on the campus now. And so as you walk through or drive through, you can't help but notice it, you know, take it in. It feels different now with the colors on the wall. And they were created for either with the classes or with our professional development classes of teachers or just directly with the students in different ways. Um, some were created with our summer fun programs of elementary and middle school students. So they each have different mana'o. It's like uh, you should go there just for a little tour. Just walk yourself through and take your time and take them in. I think with social media, people don't take the time to take art in anymore. Like just to stand or sit with it and engage it and see what you get from it personally. So the campus is a good way to do that. And you can take your kids, you know, and take your time. There's a mural in the front of the campus. That was the first one we did there. And it's really about having a vision, a visit from Kahalaopuna, the rainbow maiden of Manoa. Six kids in the group each saw different images of her, either standing in the water in white or in white looking at the water or holding water in her hands. And so we came to figure out that it was her, but that the mural, even though we put her in the mural, it wasn't about her. It was the message she was trying to tell us, which is to take care of the water underground where... It's the mulivai where the fresh and salt water meet. And because, you know, islands are built of layer upon layer of lava tubes. And at one point, the ocean level was higher. So the coral came farther up, like as far as the base of University of Hawaii and Manoa. 
And so with the corals and the lava tubes, you have all this intricate network of freshwater underground and also places where salt water came pretty far up, like as far as Stan Sheriff Center on the UH campus. Uh, so when I look at all the high rises in the area from UH down to Waikiki, from Kamiki all the way like past Chinatown, you know, huge part of the area around Pearl Harbor. These buildings to us are like tombstones to the, the Mulibai, to the freshwater, because it breaks off where those waters can connect. It's punctured the aquifers and karst. It's um, stopped those waters from meeting, and they're the healing waters of the island, they're the bloodlines of the island, but they're also the places where certain fish would spawn, or uh, some fish that go from freshwater to saltwater and back. They no longer can make their connections and produce their their babies, so then the things that would have eaten those things are gone. The certain seaweeds or certain corals can no longer grow because the waters don't flow. And so you wonder why you go to places like Waikiki and it's this beautiful beach, but there's no fish. It's because there's nothing for them to eat. And so you, you affect one part of the, the water cycle and you affect the entire ecosystem. So you put one building it affects fish 25 miles out to sea. It affects the wind currents. It affects how much rainfall you get on the mountain. Everything is affected. And, you know, we need to teach our young people t these things. So using the art as a way to communicate these things because we cannot keep building in this way or the island will sink, the island will die. What did I say? We worked with like 50-something schools. And right. every, everywhere we go... The kids don't know the names of the neighborhood they live in. They're like, oh, yeah, I think I heard of that. Like, it doesn't even dawn on them. You ask them what their, their own names mean, they don't know. So you ask them about anything, whether historical or, or stories of their place, anything, they don't know it. So why would they grow up having any sense of kuleana to malama da aina, to malama da vai, da kai? They don't because they weren't raised with a connection to their place. It's that Western mentality in breaking away from Europe where they, they were breaking away from their bonds, but they weren't connecting to the place. So it's not healthy for us to adopt that mentality. We need to look at who I am and my identity as, a, as related to where I am and how do I take care of it so that my kids will have it after me. And if we don't all think like that, it's eventually going to be all destroyed. So all of that is tied into the art, using the art as a way to communicate those things on top of getting them to be like self-expression and coming to learn to communicate in different ways through the art. Yeah, it's interesting because when I first stepped on Kaimuki campus, Kaimuki High School, I, and I saw this beautiful mural and I didn't really take it all in, as you said, to really engage in the art, but we interviewed teachers and students about the process that they went through and how it really changed their mindset, changed their thinking not only about their community, but about themselves. And it really elevated, I think, their knowledge, of course, on a personal level, but also in terms of their culture, uh, history, and they made them more aware of a lot of different issues, politically, economically. So I think the work that you're doing is so valuable and uh, it really makes a huge difference in the lives of these, these youth. Now, let's go a little further up the road. Uh, Ali'i Olani Elementary School, also in the Kaimuki area below Pololo Valley. That's a massive project. Yeah, 
the colors pop. And I was there when you were working with the children and the teachers and the principal was so excited about it. And not just because there was going to be this beautiful painting that the children were going to be engaged in, but as you had mentioned, involved in the process. So tell us about that mural. Ali'i Olani was amazing because of, I don't know, I think it, when, when you set yourself on a, on a righteous path, a pono, just, balanced path, then resources come into play when you need them, the people you need to meet, the things you need, you know. So, for, for example, we take the students of each mele mural on a huakai, and in this one, there aren't really sites in the back of Pololo that you can access that are being cared for by a group of people, you know. So the principal had said, hey, we want to go to a taro patch. We've never been. Can you take us? And I was like, oh, I got you. So we took the students to Kanewai, which is this taro patch at the edge of University of Hawaii Manoa campus. It's right in the heart right there. You almost miss it driving by because it's blocked by trees. And it's just taking care of the land the old-fashioned way, you know, diverting water from the stream to feed the taro and then returning the unused water back into the stream. So the students and the teachers got to learn and build a relationship with them so that they could go back there later throughout the school year. And it was a big deal, you know, to see actual water flowing without concrete around it, actual living things. And then to hear the stories of the place, how people take care of it. So when we meditated, they all got the taro, like a bunch of different taro. And really a lot of the things had to do with um, Makatu Makai. So people say Makatu Makai is like the water flows down from the mountains to the ocean. But people don't always think about the rest of it, which is the water evaporates, goes back to the mountain, takes a long time to percolate down through the lava rock. And so the images in that were about how to take care of this place from Malka to Makai. So the taro became the like picture frames, if you will. So within each taro leaf or luau leaf, there's different images. So if you're facing the mirror on the left side, it deals with up Malka, the lush forest, the waterfalls, the streams. And on the right side, it's like uh, Makai. So ocean scene, how where Diamond Head is. And then in between is the coming together. So it's both you can see how the water is flowing underground and how the uh, opu is swimming to go to the waterfalls. And then there's also an image of um, fish on a mat with taro on the mat. So it's basically like folks from the uplands bring their taro to trade with the folks from the shore who have fish. And that's another way of representing the whole Makatumakai thing, how we have to work together to coexist, to survive. Oh, and then the mural is so huge. And because there's this banister railing that sticks out like 10 feet, there's only one point in the whole schoolyard where all the lines line up and it makes sense. So if you stand off of that point, even a foot, two feet, like the lines start looking off. Yeah, it's kind of cool. It's a beautiful mural. And I encourage our listeners, if you haven't seen it yet, stop by, take a look, drive by, you'll see it. You just walk up and down Kaimaki, stop over at Li'iolani Elementary School. I'm not encouraging you to step on campus, but you can see it from the sidewalk. And it is amazing. As is the one at Kaimaki, we can't talk about all the murals, 
we're working with the Estria Foundation to produce five, 10 minute short videos that highlight five murals on different parts of the island, most of them being on school campuses. So Kaimaki High School, for example, Alio Manu Middle School, Waimanalo. That one is not on school campus, but there have been students who have been involved from Waimanalo Elementary and Middle School, right? And Hali yeah. Eva Elementary School. And of course, we just mentioned Ali'i Olani. Let's talk about one more mural, Estria. Let's take a ride up Hali Eva, the North Shore, and Hali Eva Elementary School. This is not a huge mural, but it has made a huge impact in the lives of the, the children and uh, many people in the community. Can you tell us a little bit about that one? Hali Eva was nice. That one was led by a person on our team named Pumai. And so he was the lead artist. Uh, he took the children to meditate. The students have been doing huoka'i all year on their own as a school anyway. So they've been learning about their place. But one thing that stands out is when you go to the campus, the first thing you feel is this serenity, this calm, comfortable, warm, you know, nice breeze. It just relaxes you. Especially driving over there from town where the energy is crazy, people are honking horns, you know, it's like all right. hectic. And you get out there and it's all calm, beautiful transition. It just reminds you of, this is how we used to be. Why are we in a city now? <laughs> 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 that was something kind of overriding everything was the feeling of the land. So when we meditated, the kids, you know, they... They try to draw these big, long, sloping planes that the area has. And then they were drawing these geysers. But I don't know what it was. So I asked the first boy, what are you drawing? And he goes, it's a geyser. I go, oh, uh, does Haleiwa have geysers? And he goes, oh, I don't think so. But I just saw it in the meditation, so I'm just drawing it. I'm like, oh, okay. So then I walk around the table. And the other kids are drawing geysers too. And they're sitting like at opposite ends. It's not like they're looking over the shoulder and copying the next one. How come you guys are all drawing these geysers? I don't know. Okay, so we had to figure out what it meant. We started researching it. And geysers are representations of like when you need to like release something, like, a, like come up with a truth or whatever, and a big change can happen. And with the serenity of Haleiwa, you don't feel like, things change you feel like it's probably felt this same way at this campus since the day this school was built and so we decided to paint those geysers and we put them in rainbow colors to represent like the pathway to heaven and it's so interesting as parents or or faculty would come up to us they would see different things a couple of people said oh those are when they burn the fields you know we see the smoke and that's what yeah that's cool or other people said, oh, that's like a kipuko. That's when the lava was erupting. And, you know, think the, the lava's flowing out up through the land. Like, oh, okay. So people, I like it because people can interpret it in different ways. Right. And highlighted, right, is the Eva bird. Yeah. So those geysers are inside of the body of a couple of Eva birds flying. And, you know, that's part of the name of Hale Eva, the house of the Eva, house of the Eva bird. And then Eva bird for us represents a lot of things. Um, it's a kinolao of Kanaloa, the ocean of Kua. It's a, a good ho'ailona when you're voyaging on a canoe because then you know like, oh, I'm 
we're within about 50 miles of land and it's it's an amazing bird too because they spend 90 something percent of their lives in the air even at rest even at night they're in the air they only come down to procreate to have lay the eggs and stuff uh, but and they also even though they're fishing type of birds they aren't built to swim so they can't dive into the water like how other birds can they can't even get wet or land or sit on top of the water because then they can't get off of the water but they're always out there looking for fish when i was at the unveiling it was so fascinating to me and i'm sure to others that there were children students who were at the forefront sharing and there were a lot of not only just a, not just a school the entire school was out there but there were people from the community there were many adults and these children Haleiwa elementary school students who were involved in the process were sharing the story their experience and it really highlighted their voices and it gave them an opportunity to share the significance of the mural to them what it all meant to them through the process and i think just through that protocol the journey that you took them through, the huakai, they learned so much not only about their community, but about themselves as learners, as artists. So you, you were able to bring out, and you do this through your program, which I think is so fascinating. You bring, bring that out in these children, talents and aptitudes that they don't even know they have. Awesome. Yeah, I want to ask also that, in your opinion, based on your experiences, why is the opportunity to engage in and express themselves, children, express themselves through art so important? I think art does many things simultaneously. The first is it lets you communicate. Like not everyone's a writer, you know, or speaks in mathematical, scientific formulas and equations. And not everyone's good at being sociable and public speaking. So some people are very, you know, introverted or reclusive. And so this is a good way for them to come out of that shell because they can create on their own and share it. It's also empowering. Like if we paint a mural or we've done art shows and the students will sell their pieces and the pieces that sell are the ones where the students risked something and, and dared to bear a part of their soul. And the pieces that don't sell have no connection like that. So the ones that are honest are the ones that people connected with and bought money. I mean, put money down to buy them. Mm -hmm. So that's a huge lesson for them. Like, oh, it's all about And this is, this is what you're talking about, that the work that you do at Kaimuki, right? Yeah. Sorry, I'm jumping all over. But with the murals too, yeah, with the murals too, to paint, like, especially I like when the students paint off campus because they get strangers they don't know just walking down the street who'll stop and say hey great work and when you get like 10 of those in a day where they didn't get any of those in school the whole school year it's a huge boost like right. wow people like this stuff people like what we're doing and it's a validating empowering app and really acknowledging their talent yeah and then we've had countless people who are like these kids like to draw or whatever, and they just looked at it as that weird artist kid. But in the Melly murals, they're suddenly the heroes, right? Because all the kids that normally didn't talk to them are going, um, I can't draw this. You got to ask so-and-so. Yeah. Then they all point to that one reclusive kid who can draw. And, you know, that 
person becomes the hero, center stage, creates all the sketches. <laughs> and so you see this transformation of them being validated and, and valued. Growing up, was that true for you? Were you uh, shy or were you outgoing? Yeah, I, I was sociable. So the art for me was, because I did style writing, it, it was an adventure, you know? So it wasn't those things for me. It was, it was sort of like that rite of passage of having to do something dangerous to, to enter manhood, you know? Back in the day, when you were engaged in this type of art, it was dangerous. It was risky. There wasn't a whole lot of value that I think society placed on that type of art. But now when you go downtown, Kaka'ako, you see a lot of art on walls, not only in Hawaii, but in I was in California the other week and murals all over the place, beautiful murals that are so complimenting to, to the city. Talk a little bit about that, how you've seen it evolve. Yeah, you know, in my lifetime, we've gone from most cities being bare of any voices, any identity on the walls. You got white walls, gray walls. And now you have an entire generation and now two generations of people that don't know what a city is like without people's voices on the walls. So they almost take it for granted. San Francisco is so saturated with art and public spaces that people will walk down the street and not even take it in anymore. They're just used to it. Mm -hmm. Which is why I don't feel such an urgency to paint places like that. Painting in Hawaii where it's new and there's not much of it. It's valued a lot more. People will take the time to interact with it. But, you know, for me, in traveling to different countries and different cities, I felt safer in cities where I saw writing on the walls because that told me that the people have a voice and the people have a say in what happens in their community. But when I just saw bare walls, I thought, oh, this is either a place that's really oppressed or really... um, not creative. And either way, it's not what I want. The work that you do is giving children that opportunity to express their voice. We hear a lot about uh, children's voices. We need to hear the voices of children in the work that they do at schools to express themselves. And these murals really shout that. It captures the voices of students in such a unique and profound way. And the work that you do is so important. And I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing more of your work with the schools, on school campuses and elsewhere. Estria, you're doing just fantastic work. Thank you. Last couple questions. Do you have a favorite quote that keeps you motivated in the important work that you do? Favorite quote? Oh, man, I used to write down quotes in all my sketchbooks. Uh, so the favorite quote would vary day by day. okay the life of an artist nothing comes to me at the moment right right when i need one (laughs) okay what about another question you painted over a thousand murals so of those murals that you've painted is there one that is the most significant to you yeah i keep saying i haven't done that one yet ah (laughs) i like that and that's the quote The, the best work is still ahead of me still ahead of you i love it To find out more about the Estria Foundation and its Mele Murals visual storytelling program, visit www.estria.org. That's www.estria.org. 
We end this show with a clip from one of the Pacific Literacy Consortium's educational videos, Mo'olelo and the Miros. This video and others can be found on the Pacific Literacy Consortium website, www.plc.crdg.hawaii.edu. One of the kids said, I saw seven heavens. Let's draw it. So that's why you see seven heavens right over Hokulea. Then we asked Estria, why is the ocean depicted almost more than half of the wall, the kids asked. He goes, because the possibilities, the possibilities are endless. Hanohano wale no oi, e ke anui nui o maanoa, ku kamahao o kahala o puna, puale akaua me kamakani. Glorious are you, rainbow goddess of maanoa, kahala o puna, so wonderfully splendid, cherished progeny of the rain and the wind. It's awesome to have that on a school campus because they can learn things that have been lost. And these beautiful, pictures depict what the world needs. It's exactly what the world needs. And this cultural connection has made us stronger, has made the kids stronger, brought pride back to our community. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode. To learn more, hear other episodes, or subscribe to the Pacific Education Pulse podcast series, visit pacificeducationpulse.com. Until next time, aloha. Aloha.